Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everyone. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. I have a fascinating show today. You know, so many people reach out to me at the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, and they say, listen, we're founders. We're startups. We're in startup mode, and we need to learn about what it takes to really protect our intellectual property. You know, we really need to understand from the business perspective how to protect what we're building, how to protect our name, how to protect our brand, how to protect our software. And so many people have reached out to me. Well, I had decided to go through my Rolodex and really find one of the preeminent experts in the United States about intellectual property, business litigation, and the like. And his name is Jason Nardiello. And Jason, he's well-known. He has the Jason Nardiello Law Firm or the Nardiello Law Firm, of course. But when you hear what Jason is able to do for his clients and the type of expertise that he has, it's going to resonate for you as a business owner about how you need to start thinking about intellectual property so, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Andy. You have over 20 years of experience or nearly 20 years of experience representing some of the most admired companies and brands really in the world. And it's really interesting what you've been able to do. But we always like to start pulling the lens back to 30,000 feet and tell us about the law firm just to begin with. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so Nardiello Law is a uh, mostly intellectual property litigation and protection law firm. And we focus mainly on trademark and copyrights uh, specifically. And then there's areas of unfair competition, basically when uh, companies are not playing um, fair with each other in the marketplace. And so uh, we help um, clients uh, nationwide and they're of all sizes. Um, they could be uh, startups, like you were just discussing. Um, they could be sole proprietors, uh, mid-sized companies, and we even represent uh, large companies. And in fact, um, in some art cases, we represent um, foreign governments. So uh, we do quite a bit. And um, we uh, a lot of this comes from uh, my background uh, representing uh, global companies um, from Japan and Europe. Um, basically all over. And so what we do is we take all this experience uh, and we bring it to um, startup companies in addition to other clients, but um, the startup companies can really um, get some value and leverage from what we know. I love it, Jason. It really is remarkable. You know, let's 
let's think about a startup company just for a moment. And, you know, you work with so many startup companies. You're a go-to expert in the field. I mean, a lot of people know about you. A lot of people, you know, when, when someone reaches their board of advisors or goes to their people that are consulting them, or maybe they have mentors and they say, hey, who should I go to? A lot of people say, go, go see Nardiello, go see Jason Nardiello. He's an expert in this. When we think about startups, what are some of the things that startups really should think about in terms of you know, protecting their intellectual property? Well, what they really have to think of is um, what is the protection really going to do for them in reality? Um, sometimes people are um, startups, um, small companies, they think, well, yeah, we need to get this trademark registered or that copyright registered without really a thought as to why. Um, so what we do is we listen to the client and figure out what their needs are. And then we, we sort of take, um, we look into the future and say, okay, where are the touch points for potential uh, threats in litigation? Where can the problems arise? Um, so basically we see all the problems before they happen. And then we get the clients the right protection they need to prevent any problems in the future. That's interesting, Jason. What's that onboarding look like? A founder calls you, uh, you know, a startup founder calls you. Maybe they're being incubated. Maybe they've got some money that, you know, has come in through venture capitalists or, you know, some other types of uh, uh, first round financing. And of course, the people that are investing say, you know, go see Jason, talk to Jason. Let's make sure we're protected. What does that initial conversation sound like with a startup founder that you have with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And that does happen a lot. Um, the first place we start is I listen to uh, what the client has been doing, what the potential client has been doing and listen to their story um, because also in the, there's always a backstory and sometimes um, the clients um, really know what they want. And then we can even add to that. There's a value add where we can listen to the story and then even give more value um, depending on where the client wants to go with their business. So, um, for example, in the case of a software company, um, they may be really interested in getting the correct uh, trademarks and protecting them, and there might be problems with competitors. Um, but then we really help them uh, get involved in protecting their copyrights, too, in the software itself. Um, and then even dealing with uh, how to protect their uh, intellectual property through uh, trade secrets and trade secret protection, which varies from state to state, um, and then at the federal level too. Um, so it's a combination of listening, um, understanding exactly what the client is looking for, and then maybe adding some more protection, and then just gliding them through there. That's so interesting. I would imagine that there's a lot of wisdom in starting it off right. In other words, Jason, you know, if you don't, if you start this startup and you have a business and you have a company and you don't start it right by thinking ahead of the pack, for example, by speaking to someone like you, Jason, that you can really get yourself into a lot of problems if you're not taking it from the beginning the right way. Is that the way it works? That's the way it works. And unfortunately, um, I've seen it often where things weren't started correctly. And in fact, I would say maybe 80% of the problems that I see are due just because of that, because uh, things weren't started correctly uh, in the beginning. Um, yeah, we can always fix these problems usually 
Um, but it's a lot more expensive to do it that way than to start it correctly in the beginning. So, for example, um, if the intellectual property wasn't really protected uh, correctly from the start, um, there could be problems later on if you try to enforce that intellectual property. Um, there could be all sorts of problems. Also, in terms of getting the agreements together, um, agreements with um, that you may have with your vendors, uh, agreements with employees, um, agreements with people that you're working with on your ideas, such as non-disclosure agreements, that sort of thing. Um, if you don't get all this together, there could be major problems. Um, and especially in the software space, um, where there's issues about who owns um, the software that's being created. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's really good um, to do it correctly and to have a consultation with an attorney before you start, you know, moving on and, and, and investing a lot of money into um, some type of venture. I love it. That makes all the sense in the world for the entrepreneurs watching the show. Rewind what Jason just said. It's so important to start off correctly and to speak to a strategist. And when I think about sort of commercial and intellectual property and strategy, Jason, well, for myself and of course, a lot of people, you know, your name comes up as a leader in the field as, as a real strategist. I mean, where did this come from? Where did this passion for strategy and helping companies strategize for what they're doing today and the future in terms of protecting their backside come from? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, there's two parts to it. Uh, one is um, where I came from in terms of how I started as a lawyer um, when I was really young. I uh, started uh, doing litigation, just business litigation. And um, while that was fun, there was still um, a little bit of the missing part of the helping uh, aspect of it. And um, once I got into IP, um, I really found clients who um, really were grateful for the help I was giving them. And, um, you know, you're building something with the clients and there's a lot of um, gratification in doing that. Um, and then on the other hand, um, you know, after handling cases, uh, being involved in lawsuits and resolving um, a lot of lawsuits for clients, um, there's definitely gratification there in you know, helping clients through what can really be um, a very trying and stressful time. Um, so I always tell the clients that, you know, the reason why you hired me is to deal with the stress so you can sleep at night. And um, well, you know, I have a lot of fun with the strategy part. So uh, everybody's happy. I love it, Jason. Now your geographic footprint is everywhere. How are you able to manage clients from throughout the country? Because, you know, you're able to bring in people from different parts of the country who reach out to you and put them under the Nardiello umbrella of protection. How do you manage to bring all these people from various states throughout the country into your law firm? Right. Well, um, you know, we've been, I've been doing work in this area for, um, like you mentioned, I've been practicing for about 20 years. Uh, and then um, the IP um, area as far as lawyers go is um, is sizable, but it's not as big as you know some other areas of law. So um, when you've been in it for a while, people get to know you, and um, the, you know the name gets around. 
And the, the nice thing about this area of law is that um, I can help people in any state um, of the country for the most part, um, because uh, a lot of these cases, well, most of the cases, if not all of them are handled in federal court. And if you're an attorney uh, in one state, um, most of the time you can get admitted into um, any other state um, with some lim limited exceptions. But um, for example, you know, we've had cases and I've had cases all over the U.S. from California um, to New York to here in Texas. Um, we have an office in New York, too, um, where originally I'm from. Um, you know, we've been in Arizona, Colorado, um, uh, Oregon, uh, uh, Florida. Um, I've been all over. Um, so uh, it's, you know, it's really helpful to clients to know that, you know, we can practice anywhere uh, and you don't necessarily have to get, you know, another set of lawyers if you have a problem in one part of the country versus another. I love it, Jason. That really is interesting. You know, when I think about it, when somebody does an onboarding with you, Jason, and, and you see what they're doing, do they sometimes say to you, hey, Jason, do I need to be protected worldwide or do I just need the United States or how do I protect myself if this thing really becomes what I expect it to become like a worldwide phenomenon? Yeah, that's a really good question, um, because the first problem is that, for the most part, intellectual property rights are what we say are national in scope. So um, you, generally, you do have to get protection in each jurisdiction where, that you're interested in. So if you're interested in uh, the United States, of course, you know, we would start by locking down rights here by registering them. Um, but if you also are interested in Canada or Mexico or Spain or Japan or India, um, you usually have to go to attorneys in those countries. Now, um, the great thing is that, well, first of all, um, you know, I sit down with clients and figure out uh, where their scope of protection should be. Um, you know, obviously it costs money. The more places where you um, want to, where you want to get protection in, um, the more places, uh, the more money, obviously. But you don't just have to, you know, throw all your money out there and try to lock down protection in every place uh, in the world. It's not necessary and it's really ill-advised. Um, so it's better to, you know, we work with the client um, to figure out, what, what the best protection strategy is um, based on two things. Um, the first thing we do is we look at, well, where is most of the commerce going to be done? Will it be done in Europe? Will it be done in the US? Will it be done in Africa? Um, anywhere. So we look at that. And then we look at, well, what are those jurisdictions like in terms of counterfeiting? And what are those jurisdictions like? What, what are the risks in terms of uh, competition um, and or counterfeiting. So um, we take a look at all these things and put them together. Um, and then we decide, okay, based on your budget, this is where we think you should get protection. And we start from there. And then the nice thing is that, um, you know, through all my experience, um, I've developed a really big worldwide network um, of attorneys and uh, IP professionals um, all throughout the world. So we can basically help get you protection in any place in the, in the world. I love it, Jason. That's so interesting. Now, for a Fortune 100 company, a Fortune 1000 company, they may have different needs than a startup. And 
for Fortune 100 and 1,000 companies, they continually come up with things that need to be protected. I mean, almost every day they're coming up with something new or something that they feel is an intellectual intellectual property that they want to have protected. How does it work with Fortune 100, 1,000 companies, bigger companies? Do they just have a, a group of attorneys that work on this all day long? How, how do they protect themselves as they become a multi-billion dollar company? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, the, the first thing is the team. Um, the biggest companies usually have either or in addition to uh, a large uh, group of attorneys in-house and outside, external attorneys, outside counsel. Um, so, of course, you know, startups aren't going to have that and that's not advised either. Um, so it's good to get um, to basically partner with an attorney that, you know, can see you through the whole lifespan uh, so that they can have that history with you. Um, so you want that. And the other thing that um, you want other than that initial uh, relationship is um, that you do need to have some type of strategy in terms of, you know, what is your protection going to be? And then also, you know, um, the large companies look at it too, um, because the name of the game is really competition. Um, you know, you're not out there, you can't make money without competing in this world. So um, you're really looking at, okay, what are the competitors and what are they doing? And how can we get out there and compete, you know, fairly um, without running into, you know, litigation problems? Um, and basically, you know, what do we need to do to comply with the law? And then, so in this way, we really help, you know, the clients um, get the most um, out of their business while avoiding, you know, litigation. Um, or if you are in litigation, then getting through that litigation quickly um, and, you know, not spending a lot of money, hopefully. Wow. I, I love it. And Jason, of course, you're a go-to expert. So many startup companies come to you. They're you know, they're knocking on your door. They want this protection. They want your, your breadth of experience over the past 17 to 20 years with all the knowledge that you bring to the table as well. Is there one thing that these startup founders come to you with that never ceases to amaze you? In other words, there's, there's something that they're either not doing or that they are doing that, that they're all doing or not doing that you just can't believe that they're all doing or not doing. Um, that's a good question. I, I think that one of the big things in terms of just uh, getting a whole brand and identity established is that they really put the cart before the horse and they think that, well, um, we have to get a great trademark and the trademark has to be it because that's what's going to help us make money. Um, you don't really have to put, believe it or not, you don't have to put that much thought into, you know, what does the trademark look like or what does it sound like? There's certain limitations to that. Um, not all trademarks can are as easily protectable as others, just based on uh, what they sound like or what they look like. Um, but really, it's the value of the the business and, and the quality of either the services or the goods that really make the company. And um, the the trademark in, in trademark law is really just a shortcut to help people identify that company, its products or its services. So, um, you know, what I would say to, to clients is don't spend so much time and maybe even money, you know, trying to get the best looking trademark or best looking logo and that sort of thing. At the end of the day, 
It doesn't matter. And in fact, some of the um, most well-known trademarks in the world um, are super, super simple um, and, you know, really didn't take that much time to make. Yeah, that's so interesting. And of course, this is the kind of advice for the entrepreneurs watching the show that you get from Jason and his law firm, Nardiello Law. Good, straightforward advice, good strategy, you know, a, a good conversation with Jason and his team are going to get you from point A to B, give you the protections you need, but certainly not make you spend more money than you need to, to get this thing set up at the beginning. And the whole idea for a good attorney like Jason is to, is to grow with you. Start up with Jason. And as you grow to the, hopefully the unicorn company that you're going to become the billion dollar company, Jason and his team are there along the way, and that's really a beautiful way to establish a relationship with someone that you trust. And in the law firm, that's very, very important. So for the younger entrepreneurs watching the show, Jason, thank you so much for that. Now, Jason, I want to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship. You know, we have younger entrepreneurs that are watching the show, and they may be in startup mode right now. Maybe, maybe they're along their path, and maybe they're hitting a roadblock. Maybe they're hitting a wall. Maybe they're hitting a big wall that they don't know if they can get through or around or over the top of. So maybe you could give some advice based on this 17 to 20 years of working with startup founders about how someone who's having a tough time in their business, maybe they freeze in the frame, they're having a tough time getting through that roadblock. Maybe you could give them some advice on what it takes to get through the roadblocks and the potholes in the road. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the biggest thing with this, um, believe it or not, is that there's too much information out there um, for any aspect of your business. And in fact, the internet can actually be your enemy um, a little bit and not always your friend because there's way too much information on it. And it's really hard to pick out, you know, what is the right information? What is the true information? What's the false information? Um, because, you know, just because everyone is going a certain way or has a certain belief, um, or it seems like the majority of the people have a belief about what should be done, it doesn't necessarily, necessarily mean that's the right way to go. Uh, so what I would suggest, um, whether, you know, you're looking for, um, you know, some type of legal protection or help with a legal problem, um, or, you know, if you're looking for, if you've got, you know, financial uh, concerns, or, you know, if there's a, an accounting issue, or if you've got um, employment issues, that sort of thing, you know, the best thing is to connect with people, um, connect with an expert in the field, connect with, you know, either an attorney, if it's law, or, you know, an accountant, if it's accounting, um, or a tax person, if it's tax, um, because they'll help guide you. And again, the internet's great, obviously, um, but if you're just starting at that really high level and you're trying to figure out what direction to go in, um, usually someone with experience in the area can help you steer it and steer you, steer you in the right direction a lot faster than just doing a Google search. That's great advice, Jason. You know, I call that a mini Harvard MBA. You know, when you go to Harvard, you go to the classes, the professors up there, you do case studies. Half the class answers one way, half the class answers another way. There's no real answers. You know, it's sort of esoteric to, to a certain degree. But that's happening in a classroom. 
the the advice that you just gave is really from having your feet on the ground and and listening to the entrepreneurs that come to you. And it's really such a better way and a much more valuable way to gain insight, to hear it from someone that's actually been through it and someone that's experienced this with entrepreneurs in your practice. Now, I want to talk about litigation just a little bit because, you know, it's sort of the 800-pound gorilla in the room. You know, we talk about intellectual property, and we've done a great job talking about that. You're one of the leaders. We know that. But when it comes to litigation as well, it happens sometimes. So let's talk about that aspect of your law firm and, and how litigation does happen sometimes and what your expertise is in litigation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, litigation, you know, does come up and, um, you know, whether it's fortunate or not, it's unfortunate for the clients, but they usually find themselves um, in a situation that's challenging. Um, sometimes they come to us because um, they need to enforce their rights. Um, and, you know, that could turn out well for the client, um, depending on how it's resolved. Um, but the the real, um, you know, issue with litigation is that, um, you know, how do you attack, how do you attack that? How do you approach the litigation, um, you know, while still, you know, keeping money basically, because litigation, federal litigation um, in where a lot of IP cases are, are done in federal court can get really, really expensive. So um, you have to really, you know, figure out, well, you know, what will the strategy be here? Um, do we just want to get a settlement out of this or do we want to be able, you know, to stop the other side, um, the competitor completely in running away with our brand or running away with our copyrights? Um, because, you know, one of those is a lot more expensive than the other. Um, and, you know, each situation is so much different. And again, this is um, that situation where it really helps to speak with someone first. And, you know, a lot of attorneys will, um, you know, give you their feelings about a case. And, you know, it could even help to, if you call them, um, to, you know, to set up a conference and, you know, just discuss the overall high level plan of what you might want to do. So interesting, Jason. You know, everybody knows from watching the show, I get pretty excited and I can't help myself. I get very excited about talking about entrepreneurship. And and sometimes I even lose my place because I'm, my, my mind is moving faster than my mouth. And I get to talk to so many interesting people and so many worldwide leaders in their space. But one thing that comes across, Jason, with you that I love, especially, you know, as an attorney and someone that I would hire as an attorney is your calm demeanor. You know, that's a great thing to have, especially as a startup founder, to have someone that remains calm. You know, they have these shirts, remain calm. You know, I'm your attorney. It's great to have. It's great to have someone who can be a sounding board for you and sort of relate to in a very calm way because entrepreneurs, we, we get crazy sometimes. We get excited and Sometimes we freak out and sometimes we freeze in the frame and sometimes we don't know what to do. And sometimes we're loud and sometimes we're boisterous. But from an attorney standpoint, I have to tell you, talking to you is very calming to me. Talking to you makes me feel like you're going to get it done. Talking to me as my attorney, if you were, I would say to myself, wow, Jason has it very under control. I'm paying him to keep it very under control for me. I can go to bed feeling great that he's handling everything for me. It's very calming. I get all of his background and and experience. 
in a nice, neat bow, plus all of his advice as well, protecting me and my company and my family. And I love that so much, Jason. It's remarkable. So as my final question, where did you come up with this sort of calm demeanor? Is this something you've always had or did you have to learn it through the years that this is maybe a brand strategy to stay calm for your clients? Well, you know, part of it is through experience. Um, I probably wasn't calm for the first, you know, decade of my practice uh, because every day is something new and, you know, you feel like you never really know what you're doing. Um, so, you know, in that sense, um, even as an entrepreneur, it might seem crazy in the beginning. Um, and every day is, you know, basically felt um, as if, you know, you don't really know what you're doing. Um, but, you know, you don't have to worry about that. It comes with time. And, um, you know, the important thing to know is, too, that you're always going to feel uncomfortable. And so you have to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. And um, so that's that's really how I view it. And um, you just have to embrace, you know, what's in front of you. That's um, really the best thing I can say. I love it, Jason. Embrace what's in front of you. Your clients embrace not only your 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 powerhouse approach and your background and experience, but also your calmness to bring sort of that serenity to the situation. It's really awesome, Jason. So listen, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on the show. What you're doing at the Nardiello Law Firm is awesome. Thank you for giving us some wonderful gems, not only about entrepreneurship, but for the startup founders, how to protect themselves, what they need to focus on. And of course, sort of the onboarding aspect of what it looks like to start the protection process of one's intellectual property rights. It's been remarkable, Jason. Thank you so much for coming on the dot-com magazine, Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. 